0: Oh, good morning, good morning this is uh, This is a wonderful gathering to be able to be together this morning to worship our Lord in, in praise and to open His word and hear from him uh, there 's a lot of things that could have kept you from being here this morning uh, if you 're like me when I woke up this morning and I heard the lullaby of that rain on the side of the house, I was thinking this would be a perfect day to sleep in, but it's my week to preach so i i, could, I couldn 't do that but uh, I hope that, I hope you're you're rested, I hope you had a wonderful Christmas, I, I hope your teams won yesterday, uh, we're not going to get too much into that, but the, the reality is, whether we pull for Clemson or Carolina or whatever it may be, we, we need a word from the Lord today, we need rest in Him, and uh, we need to experience His fullness, and that is uh, what we're going to do this morning, as we look at a wonderful story in Luke chapter 2, we're going to hear about a man named Simeon, one, one of my favorite people in the Bible and we really do not even know that much about him. But we're going to look at this occasion in which Simeon was blessed by God and chosen by God to really kind of welcome and, and announce and usher in this, this new age of salvation history in which he actually got to hold salvation in his hands and bless Jesus. And it's uh, just such a wonderful passage that that we'll get to in just a minute. I, I think what Simeon got to do was really kind of at the top of his bucket list. His, his spiritual bucket list was to wait and see the consolation of Israel, to see the Messiah come, the Christ who was gonna come and bring about salvation for all people. And I want you right now to think a little bit about what, what's on your bucket list. What's maybe the, the top things, there's even a place in your bulletin you can even, even write it down. Uh, top of, on my bucket list is to go see the Grand Canyon and, and to go and see Yellowstone. I think that'd be incredible. I, ever since I was a little kid and I saw that episode on the Brady Bunch where the family went to the Grand Canyon, you know, like, I want to do that. I, I wanna, raise your hand if you do not know who the Brady Bunch are. Anybody? Okay. Carson's raising his hand. That's okay. You need to go to YouTube and you need to watch that episode, which the Brady Bunch go to the Grand Canyon. Uh, Some people, you may want to hike Mount Kilimanjaro. You want to maybe hike the Appalachian Trail. Uh, Boston Marathon. Anybody? Right? Yeah? I I cheated. I knew you ran the Boston Marathon. Skydiving. Who's skydiving? My man right here, David. He's got that. There's lots of things. Maybe riding a hot air balloon. Anybody? Hot air balloon? Anybody? Yeah? Oh, we've got some people. Great. The emotion that overcomes us. When we get to experience something on our bucket list is fulfillment. It's fulfillment, it's completion. It's completing something that we've wanted to experience for a very long time, and that is the emotion that Simeon is going to be able to experience, and we're going to get to read that this morning. As we read this passage, there's a few themes I want you to just really pay close attention to. We're going to see in, in this passage the work of the Holy Spirit. We're going to see fulfillment of Scripture. We're going to see righteous character, and most importantly, we're going to see praise of the Christ. And so we're going to read in Luke chapter 2, starting in verse 22, and we'll read to around verse 32. So Luke chapter 2, verse 22. And when the time came for their purification according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people, Israel. Let's pray together. Jesus, we are grateful, Lord, to be here in this place this morning. Lord, as a sacrifice of praise and worship to you, Lord, we give you our hearts. We ask, Lord, that you would mold and shape us to look more like you, Father, we need your presence. We need a word from you, Lord. There's families in our church right now that are hurting, that have experienced death. I can think of one church member right now that is literally coming out of surgery as we speak. And Lord, we all, everyone in this room, Lord, we have things that are heavy on our hearts and we need you. Father, we have faith that you're going to come through in our lives and that you're gonna provide comfort. You're going to provide consolation. Lord, that you are near and your desire for us is for us to trust you and to enjoy and experience your presence. Lord, speak to our hearts as we open your word. Lord, reveal to us your truth. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, you see why I love this passage so much. And uh, we see in verse 22 this truth that the word became flesh. We see that Jesus is both fully God and fully man. When we see this, what what is happening here, when the time came for the purification, according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord, as is written in the law of the Lord. What we see here is an ordinary occurrence. Jesus is a Jewish little boy born into a pious Jewish family and we, we really see three things. Luke is really combining these three things that are going on. We see a purification, which is this rite that is, is forty days after Mary's birth. Uh, we are not, is a purification for Mary forty days after Jesus's birth. We see this this ceremony of the presentation of the firstborn, and then we see Jesus's dedication into the Lord's service. And it's a it's a very ordinary thing that that just points to the reality that Jesus, although God, is also fully human. And we, we, we're going to see that he takes on this identity as, as the, the suffering servant from a very, very early age, 40 days after his birth. We're going to see he's taking on this identity as a suffering servant that's kind of foretold to us in Isaiah 53. And um, there, there's a few, a few things about this that are important. Uh, the The offerings, the the sacrificial offerings that Mary and Joseph bring—they they bring two turtle doves and two pigeons—and we see from Leviticus chapter twelve that this is more of an ordinary offering. We see that that wealthy people are to bring a lamb and to bring a turtle dove, uh, and and so what Mary and Joseph are bringing—they're bringing, they're bringing uh, really the offering of the poor. It, it is allowed for two turtle doves, two, two turtle doves and two pigeons. And uh, we see that although they're they're pious parents, they they don't have as much as a lot of people do. And so Jesus's ordinary life is going to be evident from the very beginning. And just think about his beginnings. First of all, displaced from Nazareth because of the census, we see he's born in a manger to very, very ordinary parents. He begins religious life with a very ordinary sacrifice And we see that it was people like the shepherds that witnessed his birth. And we're going to see that that ordinary has a very high priority in the kingdom of God. Jesus, when he gets a little bit older, he's actually going to say in Matthew chapter 3, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So it's very clear starting out that this is a different kind of Messiah than what a lot of people expected. It's a Messiah Messiah. That came to serve, that came to seek and to serve. So we see that Jesus was an ordinary human Jewish boy. We also see that Jesus is going to become the Messiah by the book. That everything about his life is going to be fulfillment from the Old Testament. And and what this really implies, what's really important here is that Jesus was really God. But he was also really fully human who also really suffered. He really also died on the cross in our place for our sins. And he was also really resurrected. There were no superhero shortcuts in Jesus's life. He lived the perfect life that we should have lived and he died the death that we deserve. That we deserve to die. The second thing that we're, we're gonna see in this passage starting in verse 25 is that Simeon, is blessed to be able to usher in this, this new age, this farewell to the curse of sin and death. Simeon greets the Messiah and, and he bids farewell to this old age of, of sin and death. And we, we see this now. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. So Simeon was righteous and he was devout and he was full of the Holy Spirit is what we see. And we, we don't really know that much about Simeon. We assume that he was old. Extra biblical texts actually tell us maybe he was 112 years old, but we don't really know. That's why we call it extra biblical text because it's not really inspired. But Luke tells us just enough. We don't know his exact age, we don't know his vocation, we don't know his family, we don't know where his family comes from. Luke only gives us the most important details. What we know, what is important here, what we know about Simeon is his spiritual condition, his spiritual character. We know why God has chosen him to be a part of experiencing salvation, being able to hold salvation in his arms in just a moment because he was righteous and he was devout and he was full of the Holy Spirit. And so what was his role? What was his identity? What was his job? Scripture tells us that he was waiting for the consolation of Israel. He was sitting and waiting for the Messiah. Consolation means this idea of hope of deliverance. The, the Messiah is the comforter. It's a very similar word to what Jesus tells us about the Holy Spirit as helper and comforter in the book of John. It's a very similar concept, but he was waiting for the Messiah to come. And so he was in this, this holding pattern, his job, was waiting. Waiting's really tough. I I hate waiting. I think our culture despises waiting. I I think that's why Amazon has been so successful, is you can order something and then in a day or two, you can get the package right there. And, And now some of the vans even say Amazon as they come in and drop it off. But we want things really, really quickly. But there's an incredible spiritual discipline to waiting because Jesus teaches us a lot. In waiting. We see in Isaiah uh, chapter 40 verse 31, but they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles, and they shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. So how, how do we learn to wait? How, how do we run this race of life with diligence, with patience, with discipline? Well, I think Simeon's reactions are going to give us some insight into how we wait well. He's going to have quite a few reactions to encountering Jesus. And uh, so the first one we see comes in verse 28. I'm going to start in verse 27. And he came in the Spirit into the temple. So just really quickly, let's look at what the Spirit has done so far. The Holy Spirit was upon Simeon. The Holy Spirit revealed this prophecy to Simeon and now we see even the Holy Spirit is leading Simeon to the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, more fulfillment of scripture, here's what Simeon did. He took him up in his arms and he blessed God. So the very first reaction we see from Simeon is intimacy, intimacy. He took him up in his arms. This is a very practical He embraced Jesus and he held him. If 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 you have ever had the experience of holding a newborn baby right after it's born, it's incredible. You're just overwhelmed with emotion as you get to, to see the the beauty of that. It's nearness, it's its closeness and intimacy with God is what will transform our lives. And there's really there's no way around it. There's no way that we can live a life of distant Christians. It just doesn't exist. Intimacy with God is what will transform us and fill our lives with joy and make us fruitful followers of Jesus. Charles Haddon Spurgeon said this nearness to God brings likeness to God. The more you see God, the more of God will be seen in you. Just ordinary prayer, ordinary Bible study, ordinary relational Bible study with other believers is the simple thing in our lives that will change us, that will transform us, that will, will bring renewal and newness into our life every morning. And, and Simeon's character actually displays this spiritual secret that we get in Simeon, but we're also, we're gonna see it in the life of Christ. It's a spiritual secret that, that spiritual fruitfulness comes in our life when theology and, and our practice of obedience converge. When right thinking and right living converge to make us these these fruitful followers of Jesus that he can actually use. I, I read a, kind of a, one, one of my favorite articles I've read recently, it was actually a few years ago, this guy named Tim Chalice, who's a blogger, writer, he, he wrote this little article as kind of a reflection upon this illustration of what this, our spiritual lives can be like some sometimes He, he, he said that sometimes we live spiritually like a half trained dog He said we, we all know those people that they get a new puppy and they have very high expectations they want they want to train this new puppy to be able to do everything to almost be like the the, the kind of navy seal dogs that, that we hear about and they take this new puppy and they train it to be housebroken they train it to be to go to their crate and to lie down and, and to shake hands and all that kind of stuff but at some point the difficulty in training kind of kicks in and they just they just kind of give up they when when training gets difficult and the, the dog will not cooperate the dog just wants to be a dog they, they just kind of, they give up and, and maybe they can do a few things. Maybe they'll go to the bathroom outside. Maybe they'll go to their crate. But a lot of the things that we tried to get them trained to do, they, they just won't do and we just give up and we just, we settle for a half-trained dog. And Charlie says a lot of times that that is our spiritual posture. That we, when we come to know Jesus, we want to be super Christians. We want to be super followers of Jesus. But what happens is spiritual life really kicks in and we really start the, the nuts and bolts of being a Christian, of, of seeking God in prayer and seeking him in his word and, and spending time in Bible fellowship with other believers that it just becomes difficult and, and an inconvenience for us and we become half-trained Christians. But my, my fear is, is that reality doesn't really exist, that if we have really grasped the goodness and grace of Jesus That we should want everything. A.W. Tozer said this. He says, I want the presence of God Himself, or I don't want anything to do at all with religion. I want all that God has, or I don't want any at all. I think that should be our plea that we should desire intimacy and closeness and nearness to God. If we are not living the Christian life with nearness in mind, then we're not living life correctly because God designed us to be near. The next thing we see in verse 28, next reaction that Simeon gives is thanksgiving. He blessed God and he said this, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to, to your word. Thanksgiving, he blessed God. We live in a fallen world, and life in a fallen world wreaks havoc on on Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is one of our most powerful spiritual disciplines because at the very foundation of receiving and understanding the gospel, we become thankful people. If we really understand that Jesus has borne our wrath, that he has taken his wrath upon us and he has died in our place and that we are now set free, then, then thanksgiving should just be a natural part of our life. But living in this fallen world seeks to destroy our thankfulness. An unthankful heart is, is a great instrument in the hands of Satan because if, if, if our sin and if, if the enemy in our life can make us ungrateful, then he can rob God of his glory in his life, in our lives of what he is trying to do and accomplish. And so thanksgiving becomes one of our most spiritual, most vibrant spiritual disciplines that we can pursue. Simeon blessed God and and he declares that he can now be released from this role that he has as a servant, as a slave. He can be at rest in peace. He says, for my eyes have seen your salvation. You are now letting your servant depart in peace. And this is ultimately what Thanksgiving is all about. is about finding, allowing our joy to rest in Jesus. Allowing our joy to find its place in contentment in Jesus. My wife reminded me of this story the other day. We were, I think we were driving to the upstate for, for Christmas. And we were talking about being thankful and she told me about the, the story uh, In the Hiding Place by Corey ten Boone. And uh, the story, if you, if you never read the book, it's very, very powerful. Um, the Hiding Place by Corey ten Boone is, is this tale about Corrie and her sister Betsy and how they were imprisoned in Nazi concentration camps for hiding Jewish people in their home in Holland during World War II. And they experienced horrible conditions in these concentration camps. And there was one, one point in the book that they are practicing the spiritual discipline of thanksgiving. I think it was maybe Betsy's idea that if they could learn to be thankful for all these little things in their life, that God could mold them and shape them and, and help them to be more fruitful followers of Jesus. And so um, they... they picked out various things. They, they had a copy of God's word and they were thankful for that. And they had a little Bible study and they were thankful for that. And they, they had a little bit of clothing and they were thankful for that. And, and Betsy even suggested that they should be thankful for the fleas. You see, they, they had gone to this very unique barrack that was just completely infested with fleas. The book kind of indicates that it was, it was the worst barrack in the entire camp because it was completely infested with fleas. And Corey thought this was very absurd. She said, how can we be thankful for the fleas? And they later discovered the blessing of the fleas. They, uh, actually, what happened is that the guards did not even wanna come to their barracks because the flea infestation was so bad. And so they were able to escape torture. They were able to uh, escape having their Bible taken. They were able to actually have a a, a Bible study and, and minister to many, many ladies because of these fleas. And they were able to understand the blessing of the fleas in their life. This is what God has called us to. He has called us to be thankful for even the fleas in our lives. He, he has called us to, to pinpoint the things in our lives that we are to be thankful for that we do not even possibly recognize as things to be thankful for. What are the fleas in your life that you can be thankful for? The next thing we see is the Simeon experienced mission as he encountered Jesus. In verse uh, 29 at the end, he says, according to your word, for my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people, Israel. You see, everything is going according to plan. God has brought about this divine plan through salvation history for thousands of years. For Jesus to be the Messiah, to be the Christ, to be the Lord. That all people can find salvation in having a faith-driven relationship with him. And we see that it is mission that's really at the heart of a lot of things that are taking place. And and this is really one thing that Simeon is understanding. Mission is really the, the why. It's the answer to the why of a lot of things in our life. So when we truly grasp the gospel, when we truly understand that we are new creations in Jesus, then our heart should immediately go to mission, that our responsibility is now to make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, so that other people can experience the salvation that we have experienced. And it's rooted deep in the heart of the gospel. Right here, we see in this prophecy from Simeon, that mission was really at the center of everything that Jesus was doing. That He says, my eyes have seen your salvation that you've prepared in the presence of all peoples a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for your glory and for glory for your, to your people Israel. Light and glory are very, very similar, very synonymous. And we see that when people come to know Jesus, God's light comes and rests and dwells with them. And, and that as followers of Jesus having his light, we can now cast the light of the gospel in to darkness. And so we think about all these reactions. We think about the reactions that that we would have if we were in Simeon's position. We think of our reactions when we understand the gospel. We think of the reaction that we are going to have one day when we meet Jesus face to face in the new heavens and the new earth. What is our reaction going to be? I know it's going to be Thanksgiving. I definitely know that. I know that it is going to be intimacy. We're gonna be able to experience the word in Jesus. The word made flesh that we're gonna be able to see. We're gonna be physically near to him and, and spiritually near to him. It's gonna be wonderful. But I hope that when we get to that point in our lives, when we meet Jesus face to face, that we will not be ashamed of the mission in our life, that we will have lived the mission well, that we will have loved God and that we will have loved people and a, a true encounter with Jesus produces a natural desire in us to share this good news to other people. The light dwells in us and then it can then go be cast out into darkness, into the lives of other people. So the question as we close is, have you grasped the beauty of the gospel? Have you surrendered to the call that God has on your life to experience intimacy with him every day, to live a thankful life for what he has done in your life, and to get on board with the mission that He has called us to. God has uniquely prepared a mission for each one of us. And I, and I think how we can, we can carry out that mission really depends on our character. You know, why was Simeon chosen to be this person that's gonna hold salvation and bring about this new age and bid and, and farewell to the old age of sin and death? I think it's because of his character. He was righteous, he was devout. He was full of the Holy Spirit. And I, I think if, if, if we apply that to our lives at principle, the, the level in which we are gonna be able to accomplish our mission for God is gonna depend upon our character. If God is really gonna use us, then we must be filled with the Holy Spirit. We must be willing to spend intimate time with him every day, and we must be thankful people. So a new year is approaching, opportunity for us to start afresh I want us to to make some commitments in our hearts together as the new year approaches how are we going to develop these three things how are we going to develop intimacy with God it's very simple just beginning somewhere it it can be a verse a day it can be a a, a paragraph a day a, a chapter a day and and what will happen as we study God in His Word is it will just snowball. Our, the Holy Spirit will build this desire in us that will just cause it to grow and to grow and to grow. And and after after years, we will see that that we have such a fervor for, for spending time in, in God's Word. I, I'll I'll share with you a little bit of what I'm using this morning. I, I bought Carol Lee. Um, I, this uh, it's called the Illuminated uh, ESV Journals, and so like this this is the Book of Luke, and it, it's a journal and it's, it's scripture. And so on on one side you you have scripture, and on the other side you have journal, and it, it's incredible. And we've got one for e- each book in the New Testament, and uh, they're they're coming out with the Old Testament as well. And so what it, I, I still have my big copy of God's Word. I have many study Bibles. I have a lot of different ways I study scripture. But this is a way that we can simply slow down. It's a way that we can ignore study notes. It's a way that we can simply slow down and, and, and mark and, and underline and absorb God in His Word and, and, and write over on the side. And, and what will happen? Just imagine if years from now you have an entire little bookcase of. of of these, of these little journals in which you've studied God's word and you've been able to actually track productively, being able to see how God has spoken to you and maybe how God has answered prayers through his his word. It's an incredible practice. But With intimacy with God, we have to start somewhere. We have to develop this practice of an active prayer life. We have to be in a relational discipleship relationship with other people. We can't neglect Sunday school and we can't neglect relational discipleship. We can't neglect studying God's word in in our devotional lives with our spouses and our families. We have to seek God and be near to him. Thanksgiving, let's commit this year to being thankful people. We have so much to be thankful for as a church family, as the people of God. Our thankful hearts can have such an impact on the rest of society, because people will ask, "Why are you so thankful?" When we walk through difficulties in our life and we still have this, this spiritual secret of thankfulness, people will wonder, what is so unique about your God that you can be thankful even in difficult circumstances. How can we be focused in, the last thing, our mission? Who has God called you to as a mission? It's probably your neighbor, could be a family member, could be a coworker, could be someone across across an ocean. But God has called every one of us to some kind of mission and he has placed on our hearts someone to serve and to love and to share the gospel with. And our job is to figure out who that is. Who is God calling us to seek and to serve and to love for the purpose of sharing his love and grace with others? Let's pray together. Jesus, we are so grateful, Lord, for your word. We are thankful, Lord, that you have called us to be sons and daughters. Lord, we are thankful for your presence and, Lord, this year, would we commit to a desire to spend our lives in your presence near to you. Lord, wash us in your word. Lord, send us from this place with a word in our heart to share with others. We're grateful for your goodness and grace. Thank you, Lord, for saving us. Lord, this time is for you to do works in the hearts of people. Lord, if there's anyone here this morning that not know you as Lord and Savior, I pray that they would come forward or go to anyone and ask, how can I know Jesus? Or if there's anyone here that wants to take the next step in their faith of believer's baptism, Lord, I pray that this would be the morning, Lord, that they would make that public. Or if there's anyone here that would like to join in the fellowship of our church, Lord, I pray that today would be the day for that. Lord Jesus, work in our hearts, change our desires. Lord, make us more like you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.